and Bible Time podcast. For those that may be listening for the first time, our podcast is an offshoot from our main platform, YouTube. Our channel is called Coffee and Bible Time, where our goal is to help people delight in God's Word. We also have a website and storefront with Bible studies, prayer journals, courses, and more. I'm Mentor Mama, and today we are going to be talking about encountering a unique picture of revival through the prophet Ezekiel's teachings. Our guest today, Erica Wiggenhorn, author of the Bible study, An Unexpected Revival, Experiencing God's Goodness Through Disappointment and Doubt, is here to remind us that we aren't the first people to experience disappointment or doubt, especially when circumstances spiral out of control. You know, in the Bible, Ezekiel teaches that even through all of that, God pursues us with his goodness, desiring to bring revival and fill us with his fruit to bring refreshment to our souls. Well, Erica will be sharing with us more about the topic of revival. So if your spirit today is weary and your bones feel dry, this conversation is for you. But first, a word from our sponsor. Hey, Mentor Mama here. At Coffee and Bible Time, we recommend you introduce Jesus to your kids as early as possible. That's why we're partnering with the Talking Jesus doll. The Talking Jesus doll is so cute and made of the softest, snuggliest material. And you guessed it, he talks. When you squeeze his hand, he speaks 10 phrases that Jesus said in the Bible, from the Lord's Prayer to John 3.16 and everything in between. It's so important to introduce children to the love and lessons of Jesus in their formative years. I love this product, and so does everyone else. The Talking Jesus doll is loved by families on four continents and has hundreds of five-star amazing reviews. Kids are learning Bible verses and even using the doll to minister to others. So if you have kids, grandkids, nieces, or nephews, this is the perfect birthday, Easter, or Christmas gift. Go to JesusDoll.com and use promo code CBTDOLL to get 10% off your purchase. That's JesusDoll.com, promo code C-B-T-D-O-L-L to get 10% off your purchase. Erica Wiggenhorn is the founder of Every Life Ministries, bringing the truths of scripture to transform lives with an unexpected revival being her fifth release from Moody Publishers. She also serves on the writing team for Proverbs 31 Ministries' first five teaching app. She teaches in various local and national venues and serves on the women's ministry leadership team for her church. She's also taught women in the Arizona State prison system and overseas. She loves to bring God's word through Bible teaching, conferences, seminars, and retreats. A graduate of Azusa Pacific University, Erica lives in Phoenix with her husband, Jonathan, and their two children. Please welcome Erica. Hello, Miss Ellen. How are you today? <laughs> I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for being here. You know, I was just so intrigued with the topic of your study because as we as we all know in our culture today, revival is just would just be such a beautiful thing, right? And we right. know yeah. God's done it in the past and he continues to revive our hearts. Well, let's let's dive into your study a little bit. And I know you've written other titles. So tell us why Ezekiel is just a bit of a departure from your earlier Bible studies. What made you want to do a deep dive into this book? Yeah, so this this study is very personal to me, Ellen. Um, you know, the tagline for an unexpected revival is experiencing God's goodness through disappointment and doubt. 
And I had uh, adopted a false theology that really threatened to wreck my faith. And it it went something like this. Um, If I am a good Christian girl and I am trying hard to be a good Christian girl and do what's right, follow God and read my Bible and do all the things, then God is going to bless me. And my life should be pretty smooth because I'm following God and therefore everything's going to just be great until it wasn't, Mm -hmm. um, you know, anybody who's lived on this earth, um, more than, you know, (laughs) more than a few years following Jesus knows that's kind of how things tend to unravel. And I went through a real time of just wrestling before God, like, why are you allowing all these hard things to happen? Like, God, this hurts. Where are you? Like, I, I thought we were good. Like I thought I was doing everything right. And, and life is so dark and disappointing. And wh- why God, why? And I sensed as I was just crying out to the Lord over and over through my tears, the Lord uh, speak to me just in the quietness of my heart and say, study the book of Ezekiel and write down everything that I show you. Mm-hmm. Now I had never read the book of Ezekiel in my life, Ellen. <laughs> And, um, you know, I sort of just, I don't have like a lot of those clear cut moments with God, right? Where it's like, I sense God saying something so super specific to me. So I just kind of went on my way, um, but God wouldn't let it go, mm-hmm. right? You could probably testify to a time mm-hmm. in your life where God's like, Ellen, mm-hmm. oh, Ellen, right? It was one of those yes. scenarios. That Holy I, Spirit giving you the elbow. <laughs> yes. And I just kept hearing Ezekiel everywhere I went. I would stop at a stoplight and I would see Zeke for the license plate. You know, my pastor would start quoting Ezekiel in a sermon. Like, how often do you hear that? But the final clincher, Ellen, was when I was at the grocery store with our son. He threw this massive tantrum in the shopping cart Ugh. and the I kind of just like lost control of the cart for a second as he's just having his day in the cart and it rams into the end cap in the aisle. And I kid you not, a dozen loaves of Ezekiel bread no. all, all over us. And I was like, okay, all right, I'm going to look at this book of Ezekiel in my Bible. I went home. <laughs> And I opened up my study Bible and it says, God's heart was grieved because his people only wanted his blessings, Mm. but they didn't want him. Mm. And as I read that, I just, the hair on the back of my neck stood up because I realized that that had been exactly what. I had been saying to God, like, I want your blessings. I want your blessings. I want you to bless me. I I want you to do what I want you to do, God, right? Mm -hmm. And God was like, do you want my blessings or do you want me? Mm. And it began a journey as I began to dive into this book of Ezekiel. It began a journey of intimacy with God that I had never thought possible. Mm. Ah, That is just such an amazing story of how God just kept pursuing you, pursuing you. And I'm really excited to, to dig into this deeper because I think most Christian believers, that's what they want, right? A deeper intimacy with God. Well, let's talk about revival. Um, you know, when people say they want to experience revival or they're praying for revival, what, what do you think they really mean? Learn what theology is and how to study God within the Bible in course number seven of our in-depth Bible study academy. 
In this academically built course, you will learn the tools to study God's character and nature within a Bible passage and how to grow closer to God relationally through Bible study. This course titled Theology, Knowing God Through In-Depth Bible Study is packed with teaching lessons, homework, quizzes, and a resource list for personal study. Head to our website, coffeeandbibletime.com, to learn more about the Academy and course number seven today. Use promo code CBT Podcast, that's CBT Podcast, to get 50% off this course right now at coffeeandbibletime.com. I think what they really mean in the depth of their soul is uh, there's, there's something there that feels like they are spiritually languishing, right? It, their time with God has moved strictly to information and it's no longer transforming their heart and they miss that softness they miss that tenderness they miss that sometimes even like you were saying earlier you know that elbow of the mm. holy spirit like sometimes even when it's ouchy we're just grateful because we know he's there yeah. and we know you know we feel that we experience him i think that's really what people are looking for they're saying i i don't want to just know about god i want mm-hmm. i want to actually experience god in my life i want to sense his presence with me. I want to be able to discern his voice. I want to know when he's um, nudging me in a certain direction or pulling me away from something else. I want to be conscience, conscious mm-hmm. of his activity in my life. I think that's what people are really saying. I think it sounds a lot like this. Um, you know, maybe it's the the mom And she's standing in front of her kitchen sink and she's got kids, you know, tugging on her, tugging on her legs or tugging on her sweater. And she's weary and she's exhausted and she's trying to train up her kids, right, to know Jesus and love Jesus. But she is just worn out and she's Mm -hmm. crying out as she's standing there. God, help me. Help me do this well. I want to be a good, godly mom. Um, you know, maybe it looks like the student on the college campus and, and they have this, this fire in their heart. They want to do something significant in the world. They want to make a difference, right? And they're crying out to God because they don't really know what that looks like. And so they're crying out to God and they're saying, God, use me, use me somehow to make this world a better place. I want to do something significant for you. Um, you know, maybe it's the woman who gets up every day and she gets in her car and she goes to work and and she works in an office and, you know, maybe she's always been a hard worker. Maybe she's even really successful career wise, but inside her life feels empty and she feels like something's missing and she realizes she's kind of just slipping more and more and more into the world mm, yes. and a little further and further away from God. Cause maybe she just doesn't know like where she fits in at church. Cause she's still single and she's a career woman and she doesn't, you know, fit with the homeschool moms or who, you know, mm. whatever. Um, and she sees, she sees just these tiny shifts in her life. And she's like, I, I don't like this person that I'm becoming. And she's crying out to God and she's saying, God, change me. Mm -hmm. I want a heart on fire for you. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to to that moment when I just crave to be in your presence. I I haven't felt that in a long time. And so I think revival can is very personal. Mm -hmm. But I think corporately it all centers on the heart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That the heart change and uh, only God can do that. Right. Right. That's right. Seeking him out. We can, you know, really pray about that. Well, in the book of Ezekiel, which I actually love Ezekiel and I love how God so in different instances reaches out to him in so many unique ways and the things that he experiences um, directly with God are 
So incredible. And you mentioned that there is a phrase that God speaks in the book of Israel, Ezekiel, over 50 times. So tell us what it is and what does it mean? Well, Ellen, first, I just have to say, I think you might be the first person I've met who said, I love the book of Ezekiel. (laughs) So it is, you are definitely in the right place. Uh. Coffee. In Bible time, if you love the book of Ezekiel. Uh, well, you know what, can I just... People, you know, most people, like, when they hear Ezekiel, they're kind of like, ugh, like, that's kind of like reading a science fiction movie in ancient Israel, right? Like, it's just out there. Uh, well, so I love that you said that. You know what, and really, it's because, I mean, I just went back to my Bible and I make a lot of notes and um, things in here and the things that I was just looking at what I had highlighted in the past and like these, um, it says the heavens were open and I saw visions of God. He felt the hand of the Lord take hold of him. There's so many um, great, another one is He's talking about um, what he saw with, as they flew, their wings sounded to me like waves crashing against the shore or like the voice of the Almighty or like the shouting of a mighty army, just what he experienced in the throne room. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like an adventure, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of like Lord on the Ring, Lord of the Rings on steroids. Yes, yes. <laughs> but uh, I loved your question. I love that you asked about, you know, what did God repeat 50 times? And I love the fact that God repeated it 50 times, because I don't know about you, Ellen, but um, I will be the first to confess that sometimes I'm a pretty slow learner. So <laughs> yeah. God is trying to teach me. And so the fact that he's like, hey, Blondie, I really want you to get this one. Okay. I'm going to tell you 50 times. Uh, But he says, then you will know that I am the Lord. And that word, no, it's the same word that Paul uses in Ephesians when he talks about um, knowing the love that surpasses knowledge. Well, you know, I remember reading that thinking, well, how do I know something that surpasses knowledge? I Don't I have to have knowledge of it to know it? Um, that was confusing to me. And as I unpacked that word, what I realized is uh, it's a knowledge, uh, not, not an intellectual knowledge. It's a knowledge based upon experience. Uh, and so what, what God is saying is then you will experience... Um, I know what you're going through right now is hard. I know it's difficult. I know it doesn't make any sense to you. I know you can't wrap your mind around what I'm doing or why I'm doing it or what the purpose could possibly be in this pain or this discouragement. Um, But what I will promise you is that in it, you will experience that I am the Lord. And he uses L-O-R-D all in capitals. And so what does that mean to experience capital L-O-R-D? That's his name, Yahweh, meaning the God who creates and enters relationship. And so what God is essentially telling us is in these moments of doubt and discouragement and disillusionment, What you're going to experience more than any other way is that I am a God of relationship. And what is God's relationship with his people? It's love. It's security. It's protection. It's wisdom. Um, We're going to experience all of these aspects of God's character as we walk through this disappointing circumstance that we would not experience in any other situation. Um, And to me, that brings me so much comfort because even when I can't understand what God is doing, even when I can't trace his hands in this circumstance, I can cling to his heart. And I can remember that my God loves me 
and he's for me and he's working something in this that I can't see right now, but I can trust that at one time in this scope of eternity, a time will come that I'll be able to look back on this and say, God is good. God was good. And God was working good. Yes. Even though I can't see it right now. And that brings me so much comfort. Yes, it absolutely does. Because I think everyone has some kind of a burden that they're carrying. And um, having that type of comfort is so, so important. And um, it's really what gives us peace. Well, let's let's dig into this maybe a little bit further. How would you explain then this type of intimacy with God? Like, what would that look like on a practical level in our lives? Well, it would definitely look like um, being able to follow and obey God's nudging without him needing to drop a dozen loaves of bread all over you. <laughs> I'll start with that. Uh, If you missed that story at the beginning of the podcast, you're going to want to listen to that. Um, But I think primarily for me in my own life, um, even the burden that I'm walking through right now, you know, I have a burden even right now. I'm crying out to God. I'm waiting for answers. I'm waiting for intervention. I'm waiting. for just understanding. Um, there is a peace there, right? It, yes. It's like what Paul talks about, you know, that peace mm-hmm. that passes understanding. There is a mm-hmm. peace there. And and it goes back to just remembering and acknowledging who God is. God is Yahweh. He is the God who has entered relationship with me. He's not going to leave me. He's not going to forsake me. He's not going to allow anything to happen in my life that he doesn't have a plan to redeem and restore and utilize for his glory and my ultimate good. Mm -hmm. And so there becomes a level of not that we just, you know, skip along on our merry way and things don't hurt. We we're human, right? We mm-hmm. still have emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, we still feel though that, that heartache, mm-hmm. but there's the arms of God under that heartache that hold our heart and keep us in his peace, his unexplainable peace. We can't explain, but yet we know it's there and we can feel it and we can experience it and we can hear him whispering in our hearts the truths of scripture that he loves me he's for me he's at work in my life and even in this situation when it hurts right now and i wouldn't trade that for the world i don't know how people go through life without knowing jesus and that he loves us so unconditionally and passionately and never stops pursuing us. Even in our pain, he is there pursuing and growing and molding and making something beautiful out of it. Yes, absolutely. And our opportunity to trust him and know that he does see this bigger picture even though we can't and it's hard and and we have these burdens you're absolutely right that that's the only thing that can give us peace is yeah um no I often else. you know I often share with people um this word picture um and you may have heard it before but to me it's just such a beautiful picture of this concept that we're talking about and it's um you know, there's a man and he's standing on the edge of Niagara Falls and there's a tightrope linking one side of the falls to the other. And he has a crowd standing around him there on the cliff. And he's saying, do you believe I can cross over this tightrope to the other side and come back without falling 
you know, plummeting to my death and these falls. And the people are like, well, we don't know, but it'd be cool to see. So yeah, go for it, man. You know, so he Mm -hmm. goes and he comes back and he gets to the edge of the falls and the people are like, oh my goodness, you are amazing. There's nothing you can't do. We've never seen anything like this. You are incredible. What other wonders can you do? And so then he grabs this wheelbarrow and he says, well, do you believe I can push this wheelbarrow across the tightrope and then come back and not drop the wheelbarrow or fall myself into these raging rapids below me? And the people are like, well, we saw you walk across. I mean, I don't know. It'd be cool to see. Do it. So he takes the wheelbarrow. He comes back. And the people are like, oh, my goodness, you are incredible. There's no one like you, you know, and they're just praising this man up and down. And he quiets the crowd and he says, "Um, do you believe I can push this wheelbarrow across and come back and not drop it? And they're like, well, we just saw you do it. Of course, we believe it. And he grabs the closest person. He says, well, then get in the wheelbarrow. (laughs) see and that's the dip like it's so easy to stand on the cliff where things are comfortable and our feet are on solid ground and go yes I have faith in God and I believe God can do anything and who's like God and he's incredible but then God says get in the wheelbarrow because I want to take you on the grandest adventure of your life Mm -hmm. and we go Oh, I don't know, right? Like, I don't know if I want to leave the cliff because, yeah, I got a good view up here and it's safe, right? And God's like, come on, get in the wheelbarrow. And the thing about the wheelbarrow is that when we nestle into that wheelbarrow, right, and our and we're leaning back and our legs are, you know, flopped over the front and God's got the handles and we are tightly in the grip of grace. We can't see where God's going, but God's looking right over our head Mm. and he knows exactly where he's going. But the only thing we can see when we're leaned back in that wheelbarrow and our rear end is right over that front wheel, right? (laughs) All we can see is the face of Jesus pushing us, holding us tight. And pushing us towards the destination that he is taking us. And that's really the key to get over those raging rapids is to keep our eyes on the face of Mm, Jesus. Yes. And when our eyes are on him, then we don't worry so much about how bumpy the rope is, how much further until we get to the cliff on the other side. We're, man, we're held by Jesus and we're beholding his beautiful face. And you know what? Sometimes I imagine, you know, I imagine just being in that wheelbarrow and Jesus is like looking right over my head and he's like, oh, this is going to be good, girl. This is going to be good. You just hold on. And, and sometimes, you know, I just like imagine him like winking and grinning, like thinking about what he's got planned ahead for me. And that, I believe, is a picture of revival when Mm -hmm. we can just nestle down in there, keep our eyes on him, experience being held by him, watching his face as his eyes light up, looking into the future he has planned for us, Mm -hmm. and resting in the arms of our Savior who loves us. Mm, that's such a beautiful illustration. I'm I'm glad you took the time to share with us because it, it it is a great sort of visual representation and um and it's it reminds me of just following Jesus isn't easy, right? No one ever said it was going to be easy. Getting into that wheelbarrow is not not easy, but. When we do, like you said, um, amazing revival. Well, what do you think prevents revival from happening in our lives and churches? 
Yeah, great question. Um, I think there can be a whole lot of things. But if I were to pick the one thing uh, that I think happens most across the board, uh, it would be distraction. Right? It would be distraction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if my husband were to come home from work Friday night and say, honey, you know, we haven't really spent much time together, you and I. Uh, let's go out to our favorite restaurant, just you and me. We're just going to connect. I want to hear about your week. I have some things on my heart I need to share with you. Let's go. Well, of course, I'm going to say yes. Don't have to cook. <laughs> restaurant. I'm totally there, right? Oh, yeah. We get to the restaurant. We slide in the booth. And my phone, my husband starts to, you know, talk to me. And my phone dings. So I start rummaging through my purse. And I pull my phone out. And I see a notification. I'm like, oh, I better respond to that one. And then that triggers like, oh, yeah, I can't forget to get that at the store tomorrow. Let me type in a quick note to remind myself to do that. Now, I don't know how long. I don't even know if you're married, Ellen. I am. (laughs) But I don't know how long it would take your husband before he would just stop talking. Because my husband would probably say to me, honey, um, I did not ask you out to our favorite restaurant to spend the evening together to watch you do stuff on your phone. He would just stop talking. He'd say, when you want to put your phone away and focus on me, then I've got some stuff to share. And I think we do this with God all the time, right? We sit down. I shouldn't say we. I'm just going to say I, okay? (laughs) I do this with God all the time. I don't want to put this on you, Ellen, okay? But I do this all the time, right? I sit down, have my journal out, have my Bible, my phone dings, or it rings. Or I think, oh, I've got to get, you know, my son's soccer uniform in the washing machine. And I set everything down and I go do that. And then I come back and I pick it all back up again. And God is saying to us, I want to share my heart with you. And I want to hear your heart. I want to connect with you here in this place. But until you're ready to give me your undivided attention, I'm just going to be quiet. You go do all your little things. I'm going to wait right here. Mm -hmm. And when you're ready, you come. I think it's distraction. And maybe that's just my personal problem. I don't know. Mm. Um, But there are so, there is so much noise out there. So much noise. And God's saying, can can we just get quiet for a minute? Can, Can we just sit down? And you just breathe, breathe in my words, breathe in my spirit. Mm. Let me fill you with my peace. Let mm-hmm. me give you the wisdom that you seek. Let me comfort you with my love, right? Scripture mm. tells us he rejoices over us with singing, right? Mm. Just come, sit, sit down and be still for a minute. Yeah, that is so good. And it's just such an excellent reminder. I love how, because I've done that too, or I kind of have a squirrel brain sometimes, you know, I would, especially when you're going to sit down to, you know, have a quiet time. And yet, why yeah. is it that all these things, I had someone tell me once, just keep a pad of paper right next to it. And when something else comes in, write it down and then go right back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I try to, I try to do that, but that's a beautiful way of understanding how God does. He just desires just like if we wanted to get to know a friend better, we have to spend time, right? Yeah. And we've um, all had that experience, right? Like a friend asks us to coffee or whatever, you know, and you go and you're expect like you're you're talking uh, to them and you're telling them something and then they're like, you know, and yeah. you're like, hello, like, I'm burying my soul here. Yes. <laughs> 
you know, it's kind of the same. We know how that feels. Yes. Yes. Well, let's talk about the individual because it seems like this is something that has to start with the individual, right? Um, What role does faith play in this revival? Yeah. Ooh, great question. Um, We talked a little bit about, you know, faith and trust with the whole wheelbarrow thing. And I think, you know, a lot of times we can really beat ourselves up, Ellen, and we can say things like, gosh, man, I wish I just had more faith. I wish I had greater faith, right? I wish I had, you know, I wish I could just believe more. And we can get really hung up in that place of of trying to kind of figure out like, our barometer of faith, right? How, you know, she has so much faith. I wish I had as much faith yes. as she did. We start that whole comparison thing. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think when we talk about faith, we don't need to think about necessarily how much faith we have, how big our faith is. What we need to think about is how big is the one in whom our faith lies, Mm. right? Yes. How big is our God? We can have faith as a mustard seed, but if we can remind ourselves how big our God is, that's where we need to be focusing on the faith conversation. And that's what I love about the book of Ezekiel and in an unexpected revival is we have these incredible pictures of the majesty and the Mm. glory and the power and the wisdom of God. I mean, we are presented with this massive God of power and beauty and perfection, who is also the same God who calls himself our father and our husband and our caretaker and our shepherd. Mm -hmm. And so we see these two dichotomous pictures of God in the book of Ezekiel, this, this tender, loving father that wants to draw close to us and be one with us in relationship while at the same time, this mighty warrior of glory and beauty, you know, the God of unapproachable light, like we get both Mm -hmm. of these pictures of God. And so when we dwell in a book of the Bible that that keeps both aspects of God in beautiful balance, I think it it can't do anything but bolster our faith Mm. because we have a greater understanding of who he is and we can just marvel Mm -hmm. in his ways Mm -hmm. in an even greater degree. Yeah. And that's what you've so beautifully done in your, your study that people can walk through. Well, you said earlier that you think revivals on the horizon for those of, of us praying for revival where do you think it will first happen or start? Yeah, I I think it's really going to start in individual hearts. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, older generations, especially, you know, they think of revival where it's like, um, you know, in, in a particular church under a tent with, you know, uh, one particular place. And I mean, God can do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I see on the pages of Ezekiel and just this whole concept where he's really starts informing us of his plan to pour out the Holy Spirit, right? We see mm-hmm. that God did that in individual hearts. Mm-hmm. And and when did he do it first, right? He did it on Pentecost, right? Mm-hmm. Acts 2. Mm-hmm. And we see people coming together from all over the world coming together. God pours out his spirit and then they all go back to all of their places, 
all over the world. And then revival continued to spread. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's going to start with individual hearts. I don't think it's going to necessarily be one geographical location. I don't think it's going to be one particular type of people. I don't think it's going to be one particular denomination. I think it's going to be women and men who are on their face saying, God, I want to know you. I want you. I want more than just your blessings. I want you. I want to know who you are. I want to understand your ways. Um, And as God responds to the cries of those hearts, he's going to light a fire within Mm -hmm. and it's going to spread and spread and spread. Mm. And so I think it starts with individuals on their face, mm-hmm. um, kind of like we talked before, you know, with that mother or that young working professional or the college student, right? Mm-hmm. Um, God use me, God change me, God help me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I want to live this life for you. Yes. And God's like, Ooh, I like that prayer. I like mm-hmm. that one. Mm-hmm. It's amazing to think too about how everyday circumstances or things that are happening here in life could also, God is using those to sort of spark this revival. What you're talking about here reminds me of that football player that went down and just the rallying of people praying and maybe others, you know, seeing that for the first time, or maybe they're they're thinking back, wow, I used to be more prayerful, or it's just who knows, right? How God is is using that within individual hearts. But we know he like he's the same yesterday as he is today, and he's still performing miracles. Well, you mentioned that people long to be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit in their lives. What specifically does the Holy Spirit do for those that may not know in the lives of Jesus's followers? I like this question, Ellen. (laughs) Uh, I grew up in a a denomination. Uh, I became a Christian later in life as a teenager. And in that particular denomination, we did not talk about the Holy Spirit very much. And when we did, we called him a ghost. So I thought that was a little weird. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So uh, this whole idea of uh, getting to know the Holy Spirit has been a, a real journey for me. It wasn't something that I ever really even pressed into or thought a whole lot about until um, my early 30s. And what's fascinating to me is when I talk to believers about the Holy Spirit, it seems like there's a whole lot more understanding of the Holy Spirit based on how do I say this? Based on their particular denominational traditions Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. than there is on an actual diving deeply into the scripture to see who is this third person of the Trinity and what does he do and what does he say and what do what does Jesus say about him? And so when I wrote an unexpected revival, because revival really is Uh, to experience revival is really to be empowered and to be walking in the Holy Spirit, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I decided to devote the entire eighth week of the study just examining the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. and specifically what Jesus taught about the Holy Spirit in order to prepare his disciples for what was to come. Um, Because their understanding of the Holy Spirit was very limited, right? Like he would, God would send him for one particular task or season of life and then take him back, right? Like Mm -hmm. that was their concept of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus has to break that because The Bible teaches us that once we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and his his death and resurrection, we become sealed with the Holy Spirit. So every Christian today 
um, has the Holy Spirit living in them mm-hmm. and his he's called the helper and he helps us uh, one understand scripture. He helps us obey scripture. He helps us discern um, thoughts, right? Um, mm-hmm. We're told that in Hebrews, the word of God uh, judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart and the Holy Spirit is to, uh, his job is to illuminate and give us understanding to this word. And so he gives us discernment to understand how to correctly apply this word to our lives and to our circumstances. So the Holy Spirit has a whole bunch of jobs. He convicts us of sin mm-hmm. when we are begin to stray from the Lord. Um, and he gives us spiritual gifts. Uh, every believer has been given at least one gift for the building up of the body. And this is a big reason why um being a part of a church is so important because that's the place that you are to exercise this spiritual gift to help the whole church grow together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul talks a lot about that in Ephesians 4. And so this Holy Spirit has a big, big job, um, but he is also a big, big holder of our peace. And he is the one who transforms our mind as we sit in the word. Mm-hmm. And so I will often say to people, um, you know, Jesus saved me from my sins, but his word saved me from myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I think it's very important for every believer to not just sort of sit in their own denominational traditions per se, but to actually open up the word of God mm-hmm. and study the Holy Spirit in the same way that we would open up our Bibles and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and study Christ, right? Mm-hmm. He's the third member of the Godhead. And so we need to get to know him because he's he's kind of a big deal. Yeah. I I grew up in the same situation where I was exposed to the Holy Ghost, right? Um, but yes, later on, when I really learned all those things that you mentioned about the Holy Spirit, one of, one of the verses that I memorized early on, which I absolutely love, is Galatians 5, 22 and 23, which talks about the, how the Holy Spirit produces these behavior traits that really are representative of Jesus, right? When the Holy Spirit controls our lives, He produces this kind of fruit in us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And just, yeah, soaking that in. And and I think most people really like want to exhibit the qualities of Jesus and yeah. um, knowing that the Holy Spirit is within us, um, giving those nudges to us when we're not, you know, producing fruit and yeah, uh, uh, it's all, it's, it's just, there's so many layers, right. To the understanding yeah. the Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad that you've dedicated um, such a portion of your study to helping people better understand that. Well, Tell us a little bit about yourself. What made you become passionate about Bible teaching and um, how do you empathize with the people out there who are struggling with Bible reading and Bible study? Yeah. Um, So I mentioned earlier, Ellen, how I didn't come to know the Lord until later in life. And so I became a Christian in my teens and I remember... um, after I was baptized, uh, my youth pastor gave me my student Bible. And in my student Bible, all of Jesus's words were in red letters. And him saying to me, um, if you're going to follow Jesus, you need to, you know, read this book every day. And God's going to speak to you through this book. And you need to talk to God back in prayer. And I was like, well, okay. And, you know, so I went home and I opened up this book, right? Didn't have any idea where to start. I had very limited 
uh, knowledge of the Bible at this point. And I thought, well, I'm following Jesus. So I guess I'll start with the red letters. Oh, <laughs> right? I guess I'll start with those. I love that. Yeah. Right. So I opened it up and, you know, Jesus was like, talking about millstones and mustard seeds and plowshares and wheat tares and oxen. And I was, I remember sitting on my bed, Ellen, and saying to Jesus, how in the world am I going to follow you when I cannot understand a single word you say? Mm. Because it was, I I didn't know what a millstone was. Mm -hmm. I've never even seen an oxen. Okay, like yes. I grew up in Southern California, right? Like we don't, it was like high rises and beaches. Okay, like if he gave <laughs> a shell story, I might have understood it. Yeah. Um, but I was lost. And I lived that way for so long. And the reality of it was, is I would go to church and I would hear people say things like, the Lord spoke to me this morning through my quiet time. And I would think to myself, well, the Lord's not talking to me because I can't even understand what he's saying. And if he is talking mm. to me, he might as well be talking to me in Chinese because I don't understand it. Mm. Um, and then I began to think, well, maybe I'm not really saved. I mean, I thought I gave my heart to Jesus, but maybe I really didn't. And and it just became this whole like mind thing. Um, and it wasn't until I was able to get in community with some other believers and go through the scripture together with them that I began, this word began to come alive to me. Um, but in reality, if I'm honest, like, I kind of had to get over myself because I didn't really want to go to a Bible study and like have to admit in front of all these other Mm -hmm. people, how little of the Bible I actually knew Mm -hmm. Um, that seemed, you know, I don't know. I didn't know how, what people would think and I didn't want people to judge me. Um, And that wasn't my experience. Once I got, once I finally got there, that was not my experience at all. But I think there's so many believers out there, you know, we can journal and unload all of our stuff to God till the cows come home and just (laughs) tell him all the things, right? Like, I mean, let's just keep going with the farm analogies. Okay. We can tell Jesus all the things in our journal, um, but we've got to get to a point where we start letting Jesus speak to us in his words, in, in the word, um, there has to be a balance there. And I think a lot of Christians struggle with reading and understanding their Bible a lot more than we want to admit, because Mm -hmm. we feel Mm -hmm. like that sounds bad, that we don't love God's word. And we don't have just these like incredible, you know, moments with him every time we open it up and, a lot of times I think it's just about faithfulness. It's just about faithfulness and God's heart and his ultimate desire is to reveal himself to Mm -hmm. us through this word. So when we come and we are approaching God and we are desperate for him and we're saying, I want to know you, I want to understand what this means. I want to I want to understand what you meant when you said the eye is the lamp of the body. Yeah. I want to get that. Yes. Um, God's going to be faithful to answer prayers like that. And that's part mm-hmm. of what the Holy Spirit does too, mm-hmm. like we talked about earlier. Um, but we've got to be serious and we've got to come up with a plan. And for me, um, bite-sized scheduled chunks, that's what works for me right? Like even going to the gym, I can't just walk into the gym and go, I don't know what I'm going to do today. Like I have to have a plan. Okay. Today's Wednesday. Today is the day that I go to this class for 35 minutes. And that's what I do at the gym today. I I'm the kind of person who needs that to stay consistent. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that's what Bible study is. This is what Mm -hmm. I'm doing for today. 
This is my plan. This is what I've committed to. I'm going to show up and I'm going to stay faithful. And I'm going to trust that God's going to be faithful to me in return. Yes. Oh, I I just completely concur with you on your point of doing it in community, because I know I was in the same boat as you. I remember going, you know, over 20 years ago to my first Bible study. And at the, at the same time, while I felt disappointed in myself that I didn't know very much about the Bible, I was also inspired. I I would see these these women, and we have men, mentors in our groups, and there were just amazing godly women who knew their Bibles frontwards and forwards, and it yeah. it had gone from the head to the heart, and they were living it out. And so, I think when if you can find a group like that and and do you know, um, your study is is would be just absolutely perfect for a group to do together and experience that spiritual growth together. Well, as we wrap it up, Erica, what what is your hope for people who participate in this Bible study? Yeah, my hope for the people that participate in this Bible study would be that when they get to the last page, right, when they get to that 40th day of the study, they walk away saying, um, God met me here. I came Mm -hmm. face to face with Jesus here, right? Going back Mm -hmm. to that Will Barrel illustration, I saw the face of Jesus here and that they would um, just feel such a compelling Kind of like, you know, when when Jeremiah talks about, you know, it's just fire in my bones and I have to get it out, right? That they would just feel this compelling need to be open to wherever God is calling them to take his message, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's um, their next door neighbor mm-hmm. um, or, you know, someone in their third period class or the co-worker two cubicles over. Um, and, and not necessarily it's like going down there and being like, Hey, let me tell you about Jesus. And do you know, Jesus, and, you know, not necessarily that just yeah. as much as saying like, I know that person doesn't know Jesus and I want to get to know them. And as I get to know them, I'm going to pray and ask God to continue to open doors for me to talk about Jesus and share who he is in my life, just the same way that I talk about my mother or my sister or my kids or whoever. Um, But to go live on mission and make a difference in the world and realize that wherever we are placed we are placed there on purpose mm. and to make the most of that season to say, God, I'm right here right now. This is where you've put me. And I want to, I want you to produce the most growth mm. in me and through me as possible in this season, right? I, I want you to populate heaven and I want you to plunder hell mm. while you, until you pluck me up and move mm. me somewhere else. Yes. Oh, thank you so much. That's, I really, I, that's an amazing hope. And I know that people will um, experience God through your study, no doubt about it. Well, how can people find out more information about you and the study? Yeah. Uh, the easiest way is to just go to ericawigginhorn.com. That's my website. And you can actually download a free sample of an unexpected revival. So you can kind of just put your finger in there and, mm-hmm. and get start the first week of the study for free and, um, and check it out. Check out some of the um, other resources that are there, any of my other studies that are there. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram. I'm there a lot. Um, and uh, I'm on the first five app at least once a month. Uh, if you like that to kind of keep you with your daily reading plan as well. Oh, excellent. Well, before we go, I just want to ask you some of our favorite Bible study tool questions real quickly. What Bible is your go-to Bible and what translation is it? 
Yeah. So my go-to Bible uh, is my ESV uh, Women's Study Bible. Um, I love that Bible. I love the uh, little devotions that people have written in there to kind of just bring things to light. Uh, the cross references. I love it. Um, so that's my go-to. But I originally started reading the Bible in my teens, my little student Bible with the red letters I was telling mm-hmm. you about earlier. Yeah. <laughs> that was NIV. Okay. So every now and then I like to pull out that old NIV and like you, like you just did earlier and you were looking at the things that you had highlighted and the little mm-hmm. notes that you'd made in the margins, the little aha moments Scott had given you. Mm-hmm. I'll still mm-hmm. go back to that NIV every now and again. Yes, I'm with you. I, I I love both of those, and it it's interesting too when you memorize scripture back when you were younger in that other translation too. Um, excellent. Okay, those are that's a great Bible. Do you have any favorite journaling supplies or anything that you like to use to enhance your Bible study experience? Yeah, good one. Um, so journaling, I am the most unartistic person you are ever going to meet Ellen. Okay. So like, if you ask me to draw something, it's going to be a stick person. Okay. (laughs) So I'm not a great journaler in the sense that, you know, I see my friends create these beautiful montages with all these different fonts. Okay. That that's not this girl. Um, My daughter does that. And you know, oftentimes would we have to like make a sign for something? I'll say, Eliana, could you just do this for mommy? Because mommy can't. Um, but what I do like to do is um, I like to go when I'm reading through my Bible, what I often will like to do is I will go through and I will circle the verbs. And then I'll point kind of draw an arrow back to who is doing these things. And then I like to look those verbs up in the original language. And what I found over the years, Ellen, is that in the Bible, God is the one who pretty much does almost all the things. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's a book about all the things that God does and yes. all all that God is and all that God will forever be. Um, mm-hmm. And it really has a lot less to do with me mm-hmm. than it does to do with God. Mm-hmm. But I'm a verb girl. I love verbs. Um, I think they are the, the most fascinating word in a sentence. Um And to dwell on not just what God does, but how he does it. Mm, Yes. What vessel is he doing it through? That's a great tip. Well, lastly, what is your favorite app or website for Bible study tools? Um, So I took this class um, and... uh, Wayne Grudem, he's the author of Systematic Theology. Mm. He taught us this acronym for every time we go to read the Bible. Um, a careful method reveals truth always, um, which stands for author context meaning. Um, oh, my goodness. Uh, rest of the Bible, theology an application. And my favorite app uh, or website that you can go to that literally within like 10 minutes will give you all of those things about a book of the Bible is, um, oh my goodness, I'm totally blanking right now. Uh, The Bible Project. The Bible Project. Yes. 10 minutes. It'll give you author, context, rest of the Bible, meaning, the, the whole thing in 10 minutes. Um, and I love it. So yes, yes, that is an excellent, excellent resource. Well, we will put links to all of your tip 
tips and your book, your website in our show notes. Erica, thank you so much for being here today to share your Bible study with us and guide those of us who just long to experience a closer connection with God. So thank you. Thank you, Ellen. It was such so fun to be here with you and such a joy to get to know you better. Thank you. And for our listeners, pick up a copy of Erica's Bible Study, An Unexpected Revival. You can find the link in our show notes. Lastly, head over to the Coffee and Bible Time website where we would love to have you become part of our weekly devotional membership where we send you a devotional right to your mailbox every week. We are currently studying the book of Romans, and we have a private Facebook group as well to share as a community the study. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We love you all. Have a blessed day.